Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. In 2016, Gerard Kraft should have been on top of the world. He'd won the coveted James Beard Award for Best Chef Midwest for his restaurant niche. He operated a successful restaurant group. His eateries included pasteria, taste bar, and brasserie, all of them popular with diners and restaurant critics both. But Kraft was secretly dealing with intense anxiety. In an essay published Monday on the website Plate, he said he decided to close Niche in part because he was worried it could only fall in the rankings. In my town, there is a top 100 list, and Niche was listed as the number one restaurant. But then every year, I would panic that Niche would be knocked off the, no- the top spot. That fear was ultimately one of the major factors that went into the decision to close the restaurant in 2016. I thought that if we went out on top, we couldn't be knocked down. Those are the words of Gerard Kraft. And joining us in studio to talk about his battles with anxiety and the way rankings and awards wreaked havoc on his well-being is Chef Gerard Kraft. Gerard, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So you wrote this essay for Plate Magazine. What made you decide to do that? Well, so this is my second blog post for Plate Magazine. The first was about kind of company culture and, and how we went down that road with our company and shifting that. And so... No, they said they wanted to do some more stuff, and you know we were starting to kind of talk about topics. And uh, it was a late night phone call with a very close friend of mine, another chef, uh, who was you know battling a similar situation. And uh, and you know I was I was up talking to him for a while, and you know just the pain that I know that's out there in a lot of these chefs. This wasn't you know the first time I'm having that conversation with a friend and saying, you know, look, I've, I've been there, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, publicly, you know, f- for years, nobody's really been allowed to to talk about it. You know, if you, you know, especially when you're, you know, perceived as so successful, I think it's, it's, it's really easy for people to say, oh, you're just whining or, you know, some, something. I wish I had his problem. Yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah. Like boohoo. Um, you know, but it, but it's something that, uh, that I know that other people struggle about. So I just wanted to kind of write about my account of it to, to tell other people out there, you know, that, that they're not alone. And, um, and it's really been amazing to see the, the response. I was going to say, you got, your post went viral. Yeah, you know, and I mean, like, you know, the private responses just from chefs around the country uh, that could really just deeply relate to it uh, was was great. I, you know, I don't know if it's great or just, you know, super alarming, but but I, I do think it was great that that everybody starts to understand that that you're not alone. You called it a blog post, but this to me felt like a really well-reasoned essay. I mean, you must have put some work into Did it all just come out in one draft? Well, I mean, there, there was, you know, two or three drafts for sure, but I mean, the base of it really just all I mean, this is stuff that I obviously that I think about far too often and uh and that have personally just gone through for you know we niche's been open was open for 11 something years but that was 15 years ago and so uh yeah i mean this is my life and my friends lives and do you think that perfectionism is something that goes hand in hand with being a chef you know, I, I do. And I, you know, I don't think it's in, I think the thing about this article is it isn't just chefs, right? It's uh, anybody who kind of cares deeply about their work and, um, you know, that, that has a competitive spirit and, you know, holds themselves maybe to higher standards than, than uh, other people even hold you to. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think, you know, that's the thing that I think makes a lot of people successful in the first place. 
you know, so I think that's important. What to drives know. you could also kill you. Yeah, totally. And uh, and I and I think that happens to a lot of people. And, and you know, I think you see it in acting. Uh, I see, you see it with musicians a lot. Um, you know, and in all of those industries, you see people really struggling privately with you know depression and anxiety and you know what's next and and things of that nature. So. This is what you wrote about the years where you were a finalist for the beard, but you didn't actually win. You wrote, and it's crazy because you're not a loser. You're clearly being compared to winners. But that kind of rational thinking gets lost somewhere along the way, and ego takes over. The years I lost, I felt like I'd let everyone down. When I was taken off the list, I started to wonder if my staff, my wife, and my kids thought I was the complete failure that I felt like. That made me so sad to read that. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, but it, it, it's crazy, and I think it, I think a lot of people can can relate to that too, you know, just feeling like this is how people are perceiving me, mm-hmm. and uh, even if they're not, you know, they're they're super excited and uh, like you kind of have the self awareness of knowing that you're not a loser, but at the same time, it sounds like there's this voice in your head that you could not silence. Yeah, yeah, and when I got knocked off that one year, I think that was just it, it was such a big blow to me, and you know. So, you know, I recognize that as ego Mm -hmm. and, you know, maybe not in the traditional sense of, you know, being in quote unquote, you know, egotistical person or something, but just that that you're, you know, you've been hurt and you uh, feel less about yourself. And, And I think that's where a lot of that comes from. It's just your ego and, you know. How you, you feel about yourself. You mentioned the case of this French chef who he lost one of his Michelin stars and he ended up taking his own life. And you said you could understand that feeling. I mean, that seems like a really dark, dark depression. How were you able to come out of that? Ah, you know, I th- and, it, and it is a really, you know, dark place. And I, I think that, that I think a lot of people and I, and I have heard from people through this post being out that have Michelin stars that... They can, you know, can really like they just can't fathom losing them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think it's so embarrassing. And so uh, you feel so much shame with this stuff that but it's crazy, right? Because if, you know, if you become a two Michelin star chef, for those that don't know out there, like Michelin star ranking goes one to three and even getting one is huge. It's huge. It's a really big deal. And, you know, getting two is like monumental, like two star restaurants are, you know, tops in the world. And then three is just like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know the actual stats, how many there are out there, but there aren't a lot. So so going from three to two, which like this chef who killed himself and he didn't actually ever get dropped. But the newspapers were speculating that he was going to get dropped. And I think it is important to note that. And I, and I tried to really, you know, headlines and stuff like that, they, they take these in different directions. The, the, obviously, it's not the award's fault, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, it's not the Michelin Guide's fault. It's not the Top 100's fault. It's not, you know, my, my intent in this was to more say, like, look, we, we really got to focus on each other and we got to focus on how we perceive ourselves during these times, right? So is that the answer, that chefs need to find a way to, to help each other through this or that we need to look into ourselves? I think we need to look into ourselves. And I think that's the biggest thing. And, you know, I see a therapist, a psychiatrist. and 
Is you that know, something new? Were, were you doing that back when you were talking about these really dark places? You I were started in? kind of getting into that okay. after that. Yeah. And, uh, and so you say that's been a big help for you. It's been a huge help for me. What part of it do you think has, has been the big help? Um, you know, a combination of things, you know, from medication, uh, you know, to learning skills to just kind of uh, perceive what is, you know, your own negative thinking versus what is reality. Which I, which I think is very important because I think there are times when uh, your anxiety is created by, by things that you really need to tackle and like, you know, something going on in the restaurants or whatever. And it's like you really need to dive in and, you know, uh, your subconscious is nagging you for a it. reason. Yeah. And that, that's very helpful. And, and to know that that's real versus your negative thinking of, you know, I'm a loser and, uh, you know, people are laughing at you or, you know. Uh, you know, whatever it is that your head tells you, I mean, it's amazing how powerful our minds are. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why you look at a guy like Anthony Bourdain and you say, how could Anthony Bourdain kill himself? Anthony Bourdain was on top of the world. He was beloved by so many. Uh, he did so many great things. Um, you know, had a, had a daughter. Like, how... Yeah, how, how could do he do that? To that place, and you know, depression's a very real thing, and your own negative thinking is so powerful that it's really it's it's hard not to listen to it. So. Mm-hmm. And as you say, therapy can can really help with therapy that. Is, yeah. Let's talk for a minute about the media. St. Louis has, for a mid-sized town like we are, we have a ton of food publications. I mean, we have two full-time food publications, yep. and we've got a very robust daily food section. And, you know, there's other magazines as well that, that are covering these scenes. It seems like a big part of what you were reacting to wasn't just the awards, but also the way that the media was covering them. Do you think that the it, th- there's ways that the local media has covered things that hasn't been fair? No, you know, I, th- I think the the problem, you know, and, and I think if you, if you read back, like the main thing that was really kind of pointing a lot of that stuff out was where you're already depressed. Right. And, you know, you see a big headline, uh, you know, I, I can't remember them off the top of my head, but, you know, you know, craft misses again, or, you know, <laughs> something like that, you know, obviously yeah. that's, it's not unfair, you know, you're just, uh, you know, it's not exactly what you needed at that <laughs> to read when you ready. got on Twitter that day or whatever. Yeah. You want to crawl into a hole and and hide somewhere, you know. You mentioned this, uh, the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, how they had sent a photographer to the kitchen to photograph you when they made the announcement for Best Chef Midwest. And unfortunately, they didn't do that in the year you won. They did that in a year that yeah. you didn't win. And you said they proceeded to use that picture for every story they would run about me in the future. And you described the look on your face as saying it was definitely a look of defeat. <laughs> now, I went back and found that photo, and I was looking at it. And to me, it doesn't look like defeat. Really? It looks like you're you're thoughtful. Staring at my face phone just like yeah to me i'm like it looked like you were deep in cussing. thought <laughs> you know it's, uh, but so maybe that goes back to the perception when it's inside yeah, your own head totally. um they obviously weren't doing that to mess with you no no but, no, no no not not yeah. at all you know and i and i i didn't mean that by any means it sure. was more just like you're just seeing it over and over and you're just like god that was such a crappy moment <laughs> like why do i have to why do I have to keep reliving this? Uh, 
So in 2015, you actually did win the James Beard Award. Did were we? you able to enjoy that victory or was your anxiety right back where it was? Um, you know, it, it was funny because I was actually talking with one chef and I said, you know, the sad thing is when I won the James Beard Award, I wasn't excited. I didn't go out to a party. I was just relieved it was over. Oh, that's so sad. I know, right? It's, uh, you know, I just wanted it to be done and I didn't, you know, I didn't want to be waiting for that call anymore. And uh, so. So you've got, since that time, since you closed Niche, um, you opened Sardella, you mm -hmm. opened Cinder House. Um, you've had some more big successes. Now yeah. that you're in this different headspace, have you been able to enjoy those successes? You know, I think I, I'm really bad at enjoying success. You clearly you know, are. I, I really am. I always have been. I don't like compliments. Uh, you know, I, I focus heavily on on negative it's something i try not to do but you know it's you know i think part of being a restaurateur is always just looking for what's wrong it's that perfectionism and, uh, but uh you know i i am able to i think what i am able to do now is i am able to make it a little bit less personal so that's some progress <laughs> yeah that is progress you know and i don't take uh as much to heart anymore and with this story, you've obviously gotten this huge response where people are saying this has really helped them. Are you at least able to enjoy the success of that? <laughs> you know, I, enjoying it would probably be the, the wrong word. Um, I'm enjoying the, the conversation that it started. And, uh, you know, you talked about the, the media's place. And, you know, I think one, one chef who was talking to me was saying, you know, one of the, one of the hardest parts was that that, uh, you know, there, there's so much push right now in every direction. So, you know, if you are a chef that's killing it, you know, the and the media is all over you and you're the golden child. And then, uh, you know, if you and you're driving your team and say you're, you know, kind of uh, a really tough chef, then, you know, you're kind of being labeled as, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, like a bully boss or, you know, and then if you like take off the gas and you're not, you know, you're not, uh, pushing as hard, then the media is coming at you because you're not pushing hard enough and you're, you can't win. you're a has-been. And, you know, so that chef was, was talking, you know, just about like how hard it is, you know, and, and these are all the same media people sometimes that are talking to them about balance and work life and all these things. And, uh, wages but now it's too expensive you know and uh you know it's i think for chefs these days it's, it's we're in a place that it's harder than ever to juggle everything that's being thrown thrown our way and uh so i think you know I, just opening the conversation that's life right that's not it's not anybody's fault that's you know it's the it's the journalist's job and this the chef's job and i think it's just uh something that we have to talk openly about and, and have dialogue and, I don't know, hopefully that leads to something. That's Chef Gerard Kraft, whose essay in Plate Magazine has been generating a whole lot of buzz and starting some really important conversations. Gerard, thank you so much for joining us oh, today. Thanks for having me. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.